Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my drum and girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? How much has been a good week here? It's October 11th, 1997. Drumming your fingers, huh? Yep. <laughs> so it's been uh, it's been an eventful week for us here over at the Fee. Uh, not much news is going on, really, but uh, Dean Smith has retired from the North Carolina Tar Heels. Cool. Sorry. Sorry to, sorry to talk about sports, everyone. I'm I'm just not a sports person, but, you know, whatever. He's a legendary college basketball coach. Okay. And he is now retired. I hope he enjoys his retirement. Me too. I hope he doesn't blow his brains out like somebody oh my in this God. movie that we watched. So many people in this movie got their brains blown out. That's true. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. And it, there's a Tarantino-esque section yeah. of this of this movie it did it did it reminded me a little bit of pulp fiction so i don't know we're talking about if you can't read we're talking about the film boogie nights which we saw uh this is directed by a director named paul thomas anderson and i point out directors when they're we don't always mention who directs the movies that we're talking about but i point out directors when they're younger and when there is a certain level of artistry to what is being made. And Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, directed one other movie, came out, I think, last year called Hard Eight, that we didn't see or, or talk about. And then this is his second feature film. Uh, and I would say there's quite a bit of degree of artistry in this movie. What do you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a, it's it's kind of a pretty movie to watch. I mean, mm. it's hard to say that with the um, subject matter, but... I like how... So, this movie basically depicts the porn industry. And we start in 1977. We end, I think, in 1983 or 1984. Somewhere in the 80s, yeah. And... We go through, one thing that I like is this movie, like I said, this movie concerns the porn industry and in the quote unquote golden age of pornography in the 70s. The golden age? Why is it the golden age? What what qualifies porn as, as being golden? I mean, other than golden showers. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to jump all over what you you're did. saying. but You did jump all over what I'm saying. Now I have to derail everything that I was saying. <laughs> The point that I was going to make about the actual filmmaking to explain to you the golden age of pornography and then tie that into the movie because they're all very tied together. Well, you know, I'm sure there are other people listening to these tapes who may not know about the golden age of pornography. So in the 1970s, uh, a movie called Deep Throat came out. And it was in a huge sensation. People talked about it. So for those of you that don't know, pornography used to be released into movie theaters. It's so fucked up. People would have, not mainstream movie theaters, but specific movie houses that only showed X-rated movies. Who wants to go sit in a room with other people and watch porn and masturbate? Guys in the 70s. Gross. Sometimes, uh, apparently, Warren Beatty took some dates to some X-rated movies. That's awful. That's what I've heard. I mean, allegedly. Mr. Beatty, don't sue us. Uh, he's with married to, what's her name now, the one that was he was in Jugsy with. I mean, Bugsy with. <laughs> That's the porn nut. <laughs> you know, uh, what's her name? I don't know. His wife, Anne something. Anyway, so, not Anne Bancroft. Uh, anyway, so... What's I saying? So in the 70s, they were released, they were shot on film like a regular movie, and then they were released to movie houses and pornographic movie houses. 
And they made money the same way that movies make money now. They just obviously didn't make as much money as mainstream fo- films because, you know, you can't take your, you know, seven-year-old nephew to, <laughs> to a pornographic film. You have to be 18 or older to get in. Well, and you have to be a certain kind of person. Yeah, the kind of person that wants to put on a trench coat. And uh, imagine working in one of those theaters. No. Like being the janitor or <laughs> oh, whatever. Oh, no. being... <laughs> What do they call those people? The usher. Being the usher in one of those theaters. Jizz cleaners? <laughs> That's what they call them. <laughs> How easy do you think it is to get it off the fabric of the back of that uh, chair? I bet you they're not fabric. You, you think they're plastic? If they're smart. Or they were. Yeah. They don't really exist anymore. If they're just part of the point of this movie. Right. No, if they're smart, there is no fabric in that room. (laughs) (laughs) It's all it's all like tile or some kind of like easy to clean. So it's all formica. Yep. (laughs) That's correct. Anyway, so uh back in the seventies, there's in the sixties obviously the the United States was too sexually repressed and stuff for any of these movie, these X-rated movie houses to become a big deal, right? And any of these X-rated movies to become a big deal. Right. And then in the 80s, as depicted in the film, we go more towards videotape, right? Where people can masturbate in the privacy of their own home. Correct, correct. (laughs) And of course, now we have uh, pornographic images on the internet and, Mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh so it's a you know a continuum or whatever, right? The golden age was the perfect sweet spot in the mid to late seventies, before videotape rose to prominence, before being able to watch things on you know like whenever you wanted to in your home mm-hmm. became a thing, and when the morals of the country or whatever the minds, however you want to put it, not you know getting judgmental here, uh expanded or loosened enough to where this could become an actual thing that made a decent amount of money that you could put as Burt Reynolds character, Jack, the director puts it, puts it, you could put $25,000 into a movie like this in 1977 dollars and actually see a return on investment for it. Wow. So that's the golden age of pornography which is where this movie begins. One of the things that I like about, and, and that thing too is, well, I'll get to the, my other point. One of the things I like about it is the cinematography of the movie, I think is fantastic. And we start out where it's, everything's very slick. It's, there's a lot of artistry and stuff put in and everything. And then as the the story progresses and we move more into the 80s where everything's done on film, the cinematography gets a little bit grainier, a little bit not quite as good on purpose. Like, and the colors kind of go along with that too. That's what made me think of it. You were talking about how how bright of a movie it is and everything. And I really like the, the whole cinematography motif of this film where we start in the mid 70s and everything is bright. So there's there's all the deep the cinematography of the beginning of the movie is all these deep browns and beiges, which mm-hmm. were very popular in the seventies, and then the the bright like reds and yellows and, and and things like that. And then as we move on, it get the cinematography gets more and more neon as we move into the eighties because that's obviously where we progressed. Right. And I like that, that the cinematography reflects the era that we're in and what's going on with it. And I thought that was a very, a very like conscious and good choice. You know, I love that you notice shit like that. Like I didn't notice that, like I can see it now that you're pointing it out, but just watching the movie, it's like, I just thought, Oh, it's pretty to look at. <laughs> That's the extent of my thought. But yeah, that it's very true. Yeah, it, it well it works a lot and even if you don't really notice it it works a lot on a subconscious level. Because that's like the cinematography and the lighting is part of the cinematography. The cinematography really uh it it captures the the mood 
of the the film, or it should anyway. Uh, and the other thing that I liked is there's a lot of, and the movie begins with one. I guess I'll just go to the beginning of the movie. So we open up with Eddie from Torrance, just a, a that's his name. Eddie from Torrance. Oh, from Torrance, California. Yeah, okay. Torrance, California. He said I was trying to from. think about what I thought you were saying, like the actor, and that they were from something called Torrance. And I was like, what? No, no, it's what Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Yes. It's former Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> it's, Mark Wahlberg from Fear. Yeah, it's a. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, he was in the movie Fear. He's uh, playing a seven. He's a 27 year old playing a 17 year old who looks 37. Right. <laughs> But he, no, he doesn't look that old, but he's, he's 17 and he's working in a club uh, run by, I cannot remember his name. He's been in some other movies. The guy that plays, um, I think it's, I can't remember his name either. Miguel, I believe in the movie. I have no idea, but he's very good. He's, 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 he's not in the movie a lot. There's a lot of very talented actors in and around this movie, but so the very beginning of it, he's working as a busboy there. And Burt Reynolds, who is this legendary pornographic director, is coming in with his. I, they're not married. Girlfriend. I guess they're boyfriend and girlfriend. It's it's they live together. Yeah. It's their their relationship is somewhat ambiguous. I mean, I get the feeling that they're like definitely together and probably together forever, but. They probably have permission to do things with other people, it seems like. Yeah, because, we don't really I mean, see Burt Reynolds do that. No, but. That's true. But, I mean, she's a porn star. So, like, how can you even define, like, the the lines in a relationship like that? Yeah, like, what you fidelity know, is and what's infidelity. Yeah, it's yeah. like she's, she's in your movie, you're directing fucking other people, but you're going to tell her not to do it outside of that? Like, I, And we don't know if he does or not. I the, don't think he did. The The parameters of their relationship is not well defined, but it doesn't really need to be. No. They act as the mother and father of the menagerie of pornographic characters and people that exist in the film. It's so fucked up. It's such a fucked up situation. It is a weird incestuous kind of thing, uh, but it works a lot for the movie. Yeah, yeah. Julianne Moore. Yeah, that's right. Pay, plays his Nine girlfriend's own Julianne yeah. Moore. And um, I mean, at one at one point later in the movie, like she literally she's talking about how she loves him and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, and he's like her son, but then she jumps on him. Yeah, but then she fucks him. It's like what the fuck, lady? It's very Pick weird. It's very weird. But the movie begins, like I said, with them coming into this club. Yes, and we get. The atmosphere is set right away because we they focus in on like a, a marquee which says Boogie Nights, name of the movie, and then we get period cars, you know, very, everything mid seventies, mm-hmm. like those big muscle cars. They're going down the boulevard, and the camera pans in one long. And I don't know, I'm not an editor. I know a couple people that are editors, and they they'll notice little like hidden cuts where you you don't because sometimes obviously when you're watching a movie you don't your brain doesn't really notice it but there are hard cuts where they go you go from one thing to the next and everything there are a little more subtle cuts and then there's like hidden cuts where it's like they made a cut there but they splice it together to where it looks like they didn't make a cut Hmm. i don't know if there were any of those in 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 here but i don't think so it reminds me a lot of Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas. Okay. The scene where they go into the club, it's like one long, big, unbroken shot. They come from outside. They they walk through the back of the club. They go through the kitchen, and they go out into the main area of the club, and everything kind of opens up, and the camera follows them unbroken. It's like a, I don't know, five-minute unbroken shot of them walking through there. It's very technically dazzling. And this reminds me a lot of that. And it's it's of a similar length. And I like I said, I don't think there are any hidden cuts. I'd have to watch the movie again and really pay attention to to figure it out. But we start on the street, everything comes, you know, we come out, we move and follow 
uh, Burt Reynolds and or follow Jack and Amber Waves is <laughs> Julianne Moore's name. Follow them through the front of the uh, someone's driving a motorcycle past us <laughs> through the through the front of the club and then kind of through the club and everything. Why why you keep looking at me like what? you're confused about what I'm, I'm saying? <laughs> like you're scrunching your face up like what I'm saying is confusing to you. Well, is this confusing what I'm no. saying? No. Why if I mm, <laughs> if I want to talk about something, I will talk about it. Okay. So anyway, they they move through and then we see Roller Girl for the first time. Yeah. And she comes we follow her up to the uh, the table, and then we kind of turn on. Jack's eye turns onto Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg, Eddie, from, Eddie, yeah, Eddie from Torrance, and then that's when we get our first cut. But that whole opening is one long, big, unbroken shot. Yeah, you know what was weird? I just realized something because you mentioned that Jack mm-hmm. doesn't cheat on Julian Moore. He doesn't sleep with anybody else anyway. Right. Also, when she orders, and it struck me when at the beginning, she orders a martini, I think. Uh-huh. He orders a 7-Up. Yeah. And I wish I'd paid better attention. I don't know if he ever drank anything, if he ever used any drugs. Like, everybody so. else around him was doing all this stuff. I don't think he partook in any of it. I don't think so. His, so, the, one of the things, and I think that's, the, well, that's one of those subtle things in this movie that really works. One of the, I liked this movie a lot. I, I, I gathered... From the very brief conversation that we had before we came on the air, that you didn't like it nearly as much well, as me. I didn't like the way I felt after watching it. It's not a glamorous movie about the porn industry. I mean, it. it's not. It's a good movie, but it's just, it's a hard watch. And there's just a lot of really sad shit, so. Well, and I would imagine that in and around this industry, there is a lot of. Yeah, I mean, at least I'm sure. At least it used to be, or whatever. This so obviously, eventually he changes his name to Dirk Diggler. <laughs> it sounds like Dittler, like he's right. diddling. Yeah, well, somebody does in this movie. Ah, uh, but we'll get we'll get to it. But he he's based somewhat broadly. On John C. Holmes, the legendary uh, pornographic actor who had a very large penis. That's the the characteristic. But other than that, I, there's no real indication that this is based on his life. John Holmes died of AIDS in the late 80s. So, Okay. But anyway, um, I don't know how they closed that casket. Uh <laughs> but anyway, so um yeah, they do the well one of the things I love about the movie, this is another thing I think is done really well. The the move this movie succeeds to me on every technical aspect. I think it's basically a perfect film. I don't really see any flaws in any of the technical aspects of, of filmmaking. Whether or not you like it based on, you know, your own subjective I like this kind of thing or I don't is mm-hmm. up to every individual, obviously. But acting-wise, uh, screenplay, you know, cinematography, the all the, the wardrobe, all the technical stuff, I think, is a 10 out of 10. Oh, yeah. And I think the writing is one of the strongest parts about the film. We get a lot of characters. Oh, yeah. They're, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of characters in the movie, and they're all fleshed out decently yeah and they're all fleshed out in very quick sketch ways we they're everyone gets like you know maybe a three minute scene (laughs) where they're talking or whatever they're having a conversation with someone else and the camera slowly kind of pushes in on them and they you know they they flesh out their character in that way and it never feels forced or it's all very subtle yeah uh, there's a an actor I haven't really seen in, in much called Don Cheadle, who's in this movie. Uh, he plays Buck, and he he one of his bits is that as we go from year to year, we don't see him much. We see him, you know, 
intermittently every few years. He's one of the pornographic actors, and he keeps changing his look. He starts out country and western. He ends up in some weird, like, uh, Rick James-looking fucking outfit with the whites. I didn't know what the fuck that was. That was supposed to be like a Rick James type thing. Because he looks a lot like Rick, Rick James, and I think maybe in the Super Freak video. Or, mm. And then eventually he's wearing Adidas. And then, like, he's slowly, like, changing his look over the years. And that's one of his his characteristics. Yeah. Um, And he has a conversation with this this one woman, and they end up getting married and have kids. Their whole... Their whole thing could be a movie in and of itself. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're very interesting. But, yeah, it, it always leaves you kind of wanting more. Yeah, and it's all in these very small sections. That's another thing that reminds me a little bit of Tarantino or Pulp Fiction is that there's a lot of individual stories going along, all around here, but they're all blended really well together. Mm-hmm. Like all these different people, like you said, they have – it's everything's very sketch, but I, I feel – like, I know them. Like, they feel very real to me, these people. Like, Roller Girl doesn't ha- Like, Roller Girl's in it more than some of the other ones. But that's... Uh, Heather Graham is her name. She is almost, like, less fleshed out to me, though. Like, I don't feel like I know her character, except that she's weird because she won't take off her roller skates and she's a porn star who becomes addicted to drugs. I mean, like... I don't really see a ton. Well, she, yeah, I guess they did because she wanted to get her GED and she wanted to get her GED. She was in school. They were taking the final exams. Yeah. All the guys were like, I don't know, like fucking making her feel like a whore. Well, because they recognized her from porn. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's because like, she was wearing her fucking roller skates. Like she, she won't take them off in the porn and she's dr- roller skating around school. Yeah. Of course they're going to recognize her. It's like her calling card. And that's obviously that speaks to some sort of psychological damage. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So that, that exists in her mind. Right. Also, you know, so she leaves school, but she's always desired to, to get her degree. And I, we have no idea where her parents are, but she basically begs Julianne Moore to be her mom. Yeah, that was so sad. And wants to call her mom. So she obviously has this desire for acceptance. And, you know, it's these are universal things, things that all, all people want. But And she's, like, begging for it. Yeah. But she gets it. You know, like... Kind of, yeah. That's the thing. And she ends up moving in with... You know, they never say, like, oh, this is her moving in. Just it's one line. Burt Rounds is like, "Can you move the dirt from one side of your room to the other side of your room, <laughs> so it looks like you did something or whatever?" So she obviously lives there with them now. I kind of thought maybe she always lived with them. No idea. Because if you remember, like when they first when they first pick up Eddie, mm-hmm. you know he has to sleep with her. Yeah. They go back to well, she sucks his dick first. Yeah, yeah, but they go back to Jack's house. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, what do you think of her? Have sex with her. And, like, his wife has just gone to bed or girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. And it just seemed like she was very much at home. Yeah, like, maybe. you're out. You're Well, she did say you're out, not we're out of limes, but. Yeah. And she, I mean, she probably hung out there a lot. I got the, I got the feeling that a lot of these people hung out there a lot. Right. At Jack's house. Jack's house is just kind of like the place. Well, he's got a huge mansion with a big pool and... Hot tub. Yeah. They shoot a lot of the pornography there, too, apparently. Yeah. There's a bar outside, like a tiki hut little bar that's cute. So, you know, definitely the place to hang out. I wouldn't mind hanging out there as long as people weren't fucking. (laughs) Well, that's that's that part and parcel with it, Carol. Well, yeah. And then there's that weird couple... Where the lady is fucking everybody except her husband. Mm-hmm. At one point, she's in the driveway of this house having sex, and there were just people standing around watching, but nobody was filming. No, I don't no. understand. She was just she's just like a fucking weird exhibitionist or whatever. I don't know if she was like trying to embarrass him or or what. I mean, he came up and he was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And she's like, "She's like, shut up, Bill. You're embarrassing me." And they all called him Little Bill. Yeah, that was not good. 
So, yeah, that's not a, the If you're in the porn industry, Little Bill's not the name that you want. He was like a cameraman or something, right? I got the impression that he was either a producer or uh, an assistant director because he was having conversations with the cinematographer on a technical level about what we should like. The cinematographer was coming up to him and being like, you know, hey, we, I think we're going to need more light, light here or whatever. He was basically saying, this is what I think. But as if Bill was the one in charge, mm-hmm. like at first I thought maybe he was the director and Jack was kind of like the big producer over it. But Jack is definitely the director directing the, this whole movie. Yeah. He's in charge of this whole production. So Bill answered to him, but it seemed like the cinematographer and a lot of the other people were answering to Bill. So that makes me think that Bill is either a producer kind of making sure everything is correct and hey, I need this, I need that, he's the one that, that procures all that stuff, or an assistant director yeah. to, to Jack. So something like that. He was, he was, you know, an integral part of the production. But never participating in the porn. No, he wasn't a performer. So, but his wife was. wasn't. I don't was, think so. Was she? I don't think so. I think she was just a whore. Okay. Because <laughs> I never, we never saw her in any movies. Yeah, he catches her cheating on him three different times. Yeah. Third time's the charm, I guess. Huh? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah, because he comes home and she's having sex with some guy in in their bedroom, and she's like, "Go sleep on the couch." Yeah, I felt so bad for this guy. Go sleep on the why? I don't understand why he uh, he took that though. Like, why not be like, "No, get the fuck out!" Then, like, I don't right. like. Why would he just be like, "Okay, I'm gonna go sleep on the couch"? But that's the thing is that was that's part of his character sketch. Ugh. That's part of his personality. He was a a mousy kind of guy you know he wasn't uh he was a bit of a pushover it was sad and then then like you said on the driveway or whatever with a bunch of people just watching and she he said what are, what are you doing and she goes you're embarrassing me yeah she said what does it look like i'm doing yes go away right like it's fucked up yeah so then uh the cinematographer was trying to have a conversation with him about it and he's like doesn't want to have this conversation. And th- th- this actor, uh, with William H. Macy, he was in um, Fargo. He uh, he fucks up his line. Yeah, he does. It was funny, though. <laughs> he said he said she's got uh, she's got an ass in her penis. Yeah. When, or cock or whatever. Yeah, cock. Yeah. As when it's supposed to be the other way around. She's got an ass in her cock in the driveway. Yeah, you think I want to talk about this right now? But they left it in. I don't know if because they didn't notice or if it was because they were like, this guy would be all discombobulated, you know, so it's it's kind of makes sense. It does make sense. But I mean, like, she just acted like it was normal and like he was the one that was wrong. Like, how do you do, like, what kind of a fucking monster? I don't know. Ugh, I did not like her. So, yeah, no one did. (laughs) So then the third time. Well, some people did. Yeah. The third time, she they're at the New Year's party. It's 1979, New Year's 1979, and they're counting down to 1980. They don't get to see 1980. Uh, nope, they, they miss it by just a little. They died in the 70s. Um, but uh, she's having sex with some other guy in the back room. So he just calmly goes out to his car, unlocks his car, grabs a gun, Locks his car. Yeah. Again. What, what was that about? <laughs> I guess habits. Habit. Yeah. Or, or you know, I think it's to show the the calm nature of everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And he goes in and shoots them both, presumably killing them, and then he kills himself. Yep. Yep. Quite the quite the thing to see. And that's the end of his story. I guess we could kind of go story by story. And so, if you want to continue, yeah, go ahead. No, and like that was the first time that we saw brains in this movie, but not the last. No, no. If if we want to finish up Buck's story, so Buck, like we said, one of his bits is he's he's going through different looks throughout the years, and he's selling uh, on the side of doing pornography. He's selling stereo equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how he started out. Was he was trying to sell a stereo, and then he wants. He mentioned several times he's saving up money. He wants to open his own mm-hmm. like shop yeah and then you know he's saying he's gonna get a loan and open his shop so he meets this girl they end up getting married we see that uh very briefly them getting married and then we see 
him go to try to get a loan. And the loan officer's like, no. Because you're in porn. Because you do pornography. At first I thought it was going to be because he was black. Like they were going to be like racist, but they were looking down on him because he does porn, which I imagine it would be really hard to get anybody to take you seriously in any way. Probably. You know, I, I, I think that's probably accurate. So then his wife gets pregnant and he goes to a donut shop. At night, around Christmas time. He's wearing, by the way, an all-white suit. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck were they coming or going from? Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, completely white suit. Okay. So he, was he? Yes. Okay. He was, I thought maybe they were coming or going from their wedding. No, she was pregnant. That doesn't mean that they couldn't have been getting married, but no, anyway. They were, they were already married. We saw them yeah. get married. But yeah, no, he was wearing white. Anyway. So... Oh, and she also has a little character thing where she does oil paintings mm-hmm. of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Dirk's house, when he gets a house, is full of her paintings. Yeah, she just does. She's just one of the people that hangs out. Like I said, it's a whole menagerie of just weird characters, yeah. but they're all wonderful in their own little way, right? I guess. <laughs> um. So she does, she's got a habit of doing these oil paintings, and she's just painting everybody, and they're, you know, they're not good, but, you know, whatever. Um. So she's pregnant, so she wants a bunch of donuts. So he's going in there to get a dozen donuts. This guy comes in to rob the place. Give me all the money from the cash register, the safe. So this dude, un- you know, like uh, unloads all the money into this paper bag. And there's one other guy in the place. What a fucking idiot. And he's got a gun. Yeah, and he, like, the character Buck sees him going to pull out his gun. He slowly starts pulling the gun out. And he's like shaking his head. He's like, no, don't do it. And the the guy who's not even looking, the robber is like, shut up. Yeah, he thinks he's talking to him or something. Mm-hmm. And the guy fucking does. I was so afraid when this was all going down. I thought one of the bullets is going to hit his wife. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, or him. But I thought it was probably going to be his wife. Uh-huh. And so when he shoots towards them, I'm like, oh, fuck, he's going to miss. He gets him. He gets the robber. The robber gets a shot off. Yeah, because he only gets him in the arm. So then uh, the, the... The the first shooter dude. Yeah, the first shooter dude gets shot. And as he he's dead, but as he's falling down, he pulls off another shot, like his muscle spasms or whatever, and just so happens to shoot the cashier. So all three of them are dead. And there are brains... Just all over, all Buck. over Buck. Yeah, he's just standing there like in shock. And he looks down and sees the bag of money. Also covered in brains, by the way. Right. And I think this was a stupid move. I mean, it worked out for him. Yeah, it did. But it shouldn't have. And I think in real life it wouldn't have. Why? Because there are three dead people. And he's going to walk off with a bag of money covered in their brains. Like, they're not going to eventually, like figure some shit out how i don't know maybe somebody sees him walk out with a bag of money and brains i mean like it's the middle of the night there was no one else around it's 1983 or whatever there are not any surveillance cameras in this place they walk in and they see this scene so they say to themselves well this was a robbery gone wrong and either someone ran in and grabbed the money that didn't have anything to do with this, and how the fuck are we ever going to find him? Or there was another robber, and yeah, we'll investigate and try to. But, but what evidence are they going to find? I don't know. It just seems like it shouldn't have worked. Well, it did. It did. He gets his store. Yeah, good for him. So Buck gets a happy ending. I guess. Don't you think he shouldn't have called the police? Nah. Everyone's dead. Why? What I want to know is what fucking donut shop is taking in enough money <laughs> that he could afford to open a fucking radio store yeah that's true it's a lot of money like yeah i i well i mean i think it was probably just enough to get him started like because yeah that's way you're right there's no way there's no way there'd be enough money i mean how much do you think could have been in that small shitty little paper bag well i mean like i used to work in a bookstore and it was a little, like, tiny, like, not busy ever, hardly mm-hmm. store. And at most, I'd say we took in, like, $400 in a day. I know someone, and I want to emphasize this is not me. 
But I know someone who, during college, uh, came from a poor family and did not have a lot of money. And one day they decided they were going to rob a 7-Eleven wow. in the area. They robbed the 7-Eleven. And they never told me how exactly how much they got, but it was enough to pay for at least like three semesters of college and their books. Wow. Well, here's the thing because of the safe. That's the, it's not, it's not yeah. just one day. It's however long it's been since they've been to the bank. Right. And who knows how long that was. I mean, maybe the, maybe this this donut shop only went to the bank once a month. Yeah, and this robber knew that. So yeah, so it could have been thousands and thousands of dollars. You don't know, I guess, but it seems weird. Yeah, but anyway, that's the end of his little story. And then we get uh, just a lot of different people. Yeah, I mean, there was like the one guy. He's gay. He's obviously in love with. Dirk Diggler. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who was in Scent of a Woman. He was the little fucking uh, scuzzy guy that was going to rat on, what's his name? Who's in that movie? I don't know. It's not Chris O'Donnell, it's the other one. Oh, it was Chris O'Donnell in Scent of a Woman. Then Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. So he was going to rat on Chris O'Donnell. Okay, yeah. So yeah, he plays this character. He's always doing the long, lingering looks at Dirk. He does, this guy... This Philip Seymour Hoffman, I think his character's name is Simon. He does an excellent job. He's very, he seems like a very good actor. Yeah. He does an excellent job of playing a gay guy that is in no way stereotypical. Yeah. <laughs> he does like tons of tiny little mannerisms where it's like, oh, like I knew the character was gay almost instantly. Really? Pretty pretty early on. Well, I didn't know until I saw him looking at Dirk. But Dirk should have known because he was the one he's looking at. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. But he... Same, I, same New Year's party. Yeah, same New Year's party before the guy gets his brains blown out. Um, he had just bought a car just like Dirk's. Yeah, similar. Yeah, and he wants to show him. and then He's he, got a fucking orange Corvette. That's the... It was car, red, honey. That's the car that Dirk got. No, it's competition orange. They... Even called it competition orange. Oh, okay. See, he's he's color deficient, so I just assume he doesn't know. But I guess you do. Yeah. Well, and by the way, if it looked red to you, it's a hundred percent orange. Weird. So I don't know if competition orange is supposed to be like a red orange. I'm guessing yes, but I don't see any of the red. I just see the orange. Huh. That's so weird because to me it just looked like a bright red uh, race car, basically. Interesting. But anyway, so. Yeah, they're both they're both competition uh, orange cars. He got his car painted to match Dirk's yeah. car. It yep. was not that color originally. No, and um, then he said, "I wanted I wanted to make sure that you liked it, or else I'd take it back." And then he just kisses him. He just like attacks him with a kiss, and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Because he's not gay. No, they're they're he's buddy. They're buddies. Like yeah. they hang out and stuff like that, but. And he's like, don't you want me to kiss you? No. Right. <laughs> well, I was afraid he was going to end up killing himself or something, but he, he didn't. Yeah. He just, you know, he had a little meltdown like anybody would and then he moved cried, on. Yeah, he got his, over it. Called himself stupid a bunch of times. Yeah. That was really sad, yeah. too. But it was then, stupid, though. I'm sorry, like, not stupid to be gay. Mm-hmm. Stupid to think that this homosexual or this heterosexual porn star who's never looked at you. Is going to respond. He said, sometimes you look at me. Hmm. Oh, I so, think he's wrong. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> he's deluded. <laughs> Not dumb, deluded. But he, uh, he, he, so Dirk Diggler makes best friends with this guy, uh, Reed, who's mm-hmm. played by John C. Riley. I don't like him. No? I don't like his character. How come? He just seemed very, like, a hanger on and very disingenuine. Disingenuine. Disingenuous. Are we making up new words here? I guess. He's disingenuine. Uh, <laughs> he seemed fake. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, actually, I don't know if I agree or not, but they really bonded over how much they could weight lift. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who's also into fitness, that was a fascinating conversation to me. Mm. They, what, they both didn't say how much they be- could bench press. Yeah, and they were like, let's go at the same time. But they were both too scared. Yeah. It was ridiculous. You really think that he seemed disingenuous? 
stop using the word because I feel dumb about the word. Uh, <laughs> you think he seemed fake? Yeah. I don't he, know. I don't know if I agree. Well, okay. Because when Dirk goes off the deep end, and he does go off the fucking deep end, mm-hmm. he follows him off the deep end and then continues to encourage all of his craziness instead of being like a actual friend and being like, hey, you're crazy. See, I I took it as he loved Dirk so much, you know, like as a friend, because he, he's not gay, um, and was as stupid as Dirk, Dirk was, that he was just as deluded as he was about, like, I think he listened to him sing. Because what happens is he they end up finding a, new, a hot new guy, mm. you know, and everything, and a new young guy, Dirk gets... Um, Very jealous. Jealous. And he's taking drugs at this point because his mom slash lover slash boss's girlfriend, Julianne Moore, gives him, it's like a fucking Alabama uh, uh, profile. This was at the New Year's party, too. This was a very eventful party. Yeah, it was. (laughs) They they wanted to go into 80 with a, uh, you know, with a bang. And they did. So, well, that one guy's wife did twice. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, Anyway, so, um, yeah, he's addicted to drugs and everything at this point, so he fucking flips out and yells at Jack and all that stuff and gets fired. And like you said, that's when he, John C. Riley goes out with him too. And he's like, let's try to make you a music star. So he's singing. But he can't sing. He's singing, you got the touch. It's awful. You got the power, which I think was in the Transformers movie. I, I don't know. But anyway, uh, he's terrible. He's not even as good as Lion, who I think is the original singer of that song. Uh, and But John C. Riley's like, yeah, it's awesome. He's like jamming and stuff to it. Like, I thought that was just him being like, oh, I'll just go along with whatever you want as long as you keep giving me money, buying me drugs, whatever. I don't think so. Okay. I think he was a true friend. All right. Well, and like before this, they they partnered up on some porn because... <laughs> that sounds really bad. <laughs> well, because Jack had said in the very beginning that his dream was to make a porn movie that, was, that had a story that was so good that after somebody came, they'd just sit in it to see... What else is going to happen? Well, and that's that's the other thing, too, is I really appreciate this, like, Jack's character, and Burr Rounds does an outstanding job oh, yeah. in this movie. He always does an outstanding job. This is this is one of his best roles ever, I think. Um, he, You really get the feeling that he absolutely cares about the artistry. Mm-hmm. Like, they... He puts and he wants artistry in pornography. And if you look at what happened in the 80s and then where it went and where it is now, I'd say that that that's gone from pornography. I don't think there's artistry in it at all anymore. Oh, yeah, I agree. But and it's it's an interesting idea that he wants to actually craft a script that is a complete story just with graphic sex in it. Yeah. And so they they all kind of team up together to do that. They make these... He's supposed to be like a James Bond kind of character. Yeah. But then... uh, What's her name? Amber? Amber Waves. Yeah. She does a documentary about Dirk. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about the movies that he did and stuff. And it's like they're talking about like there's a lot of violence in it and stuff. And you're seeing like these... Like, pieces of it where he's just beating up these girls and torturing them with sex and stuff, and it didn't seem good. I don't know if that's... <laughs> that seems an exaggeration, but... You think? I, yeah, I mean, like, he slapped one or whatever, and he was like, I'll get you to tell me what what you what I want, and then start having there, sex with her. That was more than one. That was more than one scene where he hit a girl. I don't know. They talked about how violent his movies were. Yeah. So... I'm just saying I don't I didn't like the way that the movie seemed to be portrayed. It was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be like James Bond. He was not like James Bond. No. No, it's funny like the the way that they the way that they do it is is funny. 
but he wins all these awards playing this character and like he won like three awards his first time at the porn award ceremony the porn academy awards right that was the second annual one and then we see i think like six or seven of them do you think that's a real thing i don't know i hope not (laughs) it sounds well it is a private industry so, you know, the private industry can have their own award shows. I mean, that's sure. that's essentially all the Academy Awards is, is the private industry award show. I'm sure it could, and maybe it does, but I, I wouldn't want to see that many porn stars all in one place. It seems unsanitary. <laughs> now, don't you think you're being a bit judgmental about these people? Yes. I think part of, the, I think part of what this movie is supposed to do is hum- humanitize oh, people that are in this industry. They're human, Sure. But I mean, it doesn't. Wow, that's big of you to concede that to them. <laughs> it doesn't make me feel like sorry for them exactly. It's just like I don't know. I mean, it doesn't make the life choices look good. It's not like I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I see the validity of porn now. Like, no, and I don't think it's supposed. To, like I said, I I think that this movie does a great job of highlighting the humanity of the people in this industry while not glamorizing this industry at all. Okay. I think it, it strikes the perfect tone. And, I mean, I guess so. I'm just saying, I think that a bunch of them together is not a good idea, and I think the movie actually illustrates that. Oh, okay. All right. But then there's also the family aspect of it, too. Ah, stop ja- saying <laughs> Jackson. No, I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean it in a good way. Jack is uh, there for the the wedding of Buck, and I don't know if they even ever said her name. They did. They did, but I don't remember His wife's name. And then later in the movie, they're there with their baby, playing yeah. with their baby in the pool. Yeah. Like, we're at Uncle Jack's house, and she's painting a fucking portrait and everything. It's like there are wholesome family aspects of this, too. There are also, you know dangerous undersides to it like the fact that at the first party that we see at jack's house somebody's calling for maggie it's the son looking yeah, for his mom this named maggie. So sad. which you'd seen the night before her crying because she missed her son by the way yeah Sorry. and it turns out it's amber but no one knows that's her real name yeah so like now there's no maggie here so then they hang up so she could have talked to her child that she misses but didn't and then later she has a a hearing, custody hearing, with her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And he basically says, hey, she's in the porn industry and there's a bunch of drugs and shit. So she shouldn't get to see her child. Yeah, it sounds like she took her kid to Jack's house a couple times and, and that's, well, that's what caused the problem. Lives. Yeah, Maggie's or Amber's story is just fucking sad as hell, too. Yeah. yeah, she has a son that she'll never see and she replaces them with pornographic actors she wants to have sex with. Yeah, well, I mean, that's how Jack introduces her, is, like, she's the mom of everybody who needs a mom. She's not a mom to her own kid. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's part of the tragedy and the dichotomy of that character. Yeah. And that when they when she first does her first scene with Dirk Diggler, uh, you know, Eddie, um, there's this, they, they have this, it, it's filmed in a very interesting way. And, I, like, at first I thought it was like, oh, you know, we don't want to see Julianne more naked, I guess, or whatever. She's kind of an established actress, but then later they do show her naked. But it's all, it's very close. It feels very claustrophobic. <laughs> I don't know if it's supposed to represent sort of the, uh, maybe the closest of these two characters coming together, or if it's like the anxiety of doing this for the first time, or what? I think it was more the anxiety. Like, the, the camera angles were all really weird. Yeah. In this scene. Yeah. Like, at one point, we're watching it through the camera backwards, like, mm-hmm. looking into the camera instead yeah. of through the lens. Um, but, yeah, and, and I thought this was really weird, too, that she says to him, are you ready to come? Come inside me. Mm-hmm. Like, but she's supposed to be motherly, and she's telling him to come inside, or she's like, I'm fixed. Don't worry about it. Like, what? What? And then they had to reshoot it. Didn't her husband... Uh, I keep wanting to say husband, but didn't uh, Jack, to me, he seemed upset. I think so. I it, it's it's hard just that they never really go into that. Right. Like, I wonder if it's like pretty woman, you know, like no kissing on the mouth, no coming in the pussy. Like, I don't know. 
I mean, maybe that's something special that's only for him, and she. I don't know. The other guy have it. I don't know. <laughs> it's really not something I want to think about. <laughs> but yeah, the financier of this whole thing is oh. somebody named the Colonel. So I guess he's technically like the big producer, the executive producer. He puts up the money, and he gets a you know a big portion of the the returns for it. Um, our introduction to him is he shows up at this party, the one where the someone's looking for Maggie, with a, a woman who, yeah. who knows how old. She looked very young. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you know, whatever her name is. And like she's like, oh, is there cocaine at this party? And, you know, of course. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm sure you can find some somewhere. And this guy's like, oh, let's do coke together. And this is another almost Tarantino-like yeah. kind of sequence where uh, after a while, they're all talking and everything. They get introduced to, uh, he wants to see Dirk Diggler's penis. Yeah. <laughs> he pulls it out and the look on his face is just like he's mesmerized or whatever. That's pretty funny. Like he shut down, you know. Um, But then anyway, so uh, later at this party... We go into a back room where sh- this woman is like dead, essentially, or dying. Yeah. She's got blood just pouring out of her face. And Ugh. he's like, oh, this is the second woman to overdose on me in two days or whatever. And he's like, do you think maybe you should get some uh, some better shit then? <laughs> that seemed like a valid point. So they, they drop her at the... He, he like just clinically kind of goes through, take her to St. Joe's. Don't let drop, him see the limo. Drop her off there, you know. Yeah. Throw her in the parking lot. Get the fuck out of there. Kind of thing. Awful. Yeah. They have to slap the shit out of this guy that uh, made her over or let her overdose or whatever. And then later, mm-hmm. he gets arrested. Because he had a 15-year-old over to his house. Which, you know, isn't the worst part. I mean, a 15-year-old to his house who then overdosed. Overdosed on cocaine. Same sort of thing. Yeah. So you think that's why he's in jail, right? Yeah, and Burt Reynolds is like, okay. And he's like, but I, he's like, I didn't touch her or whatever. He's like, you know me, I, I wouldn't touch her. And he's like, okay, so you didn't do anything. You know, he's like, all right, you didn't do anything. He's like, I didn't do anything to her. I didn't do anything to her. He's like, okay. He's like, but, but. They, but they found something at the house. And he's like, what? And he's like, they're just so cute when they're so small. Yeah. Oh. So obviously he had child porno- pornography pictures. Which, you know, at least he's like, Jack, we're still friends, right? And Jack just hangs up the phone yeah, and Jack's walks away from him. done with this yeah. dude. Good. Yeah. And at least, you know, we see at the end of the movie, he's in jail. Yeah. Still getting his ass beat. Oh, getting just fucking beaten the shit out of Well, that's what happens to uh, pedophiles in prison. Yeah. So at least that was a good thing. Well, a lot of justice happens in this movie. Yeah, I mean, everybody pretty much has a happy ending. Yeah. Except I don't really feel like Dirk's ending is happy. This is what he always wanted to do. He always wanted to be a star or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I guess his penis is working again. We go through a period of time where, like, he can't get it up. That's kind of why, that's why he gets so pissed off and, yeah. like, ends up leaving the porn industry is because he's on all these drugs and he drugs, can't have sex. Yeah. You can't, I mean, like, he quit so they wouldn't fire him, basically. Right. But, I mean, at the end, he's back. He, oh, I almost forgot about the whole Tar- Tarantino-esque scene at the end. Uh, him and his friends go to pull a scam. Yeah, on Alfred Molina. With what do they have in their baking soda or something? They were trying to pass baking off as soda, cocaine. Yeah, as as a half a key of cocaine for five grand. This was so weird. Like this guy in the his house, like they just hand the guy five thousand dollars for this bag of powder. Yep. He's the the guy whose house it is is walking around in a robe and underwear, and he's just out of his mind. And he's talking about how he loves his mixtape. There's this. Uh, he said he's Chinese, I think, guy yes. in the corner who's lighting off firecrackers and just throwing them around this room inside yep. the house. Yep. And then he had this big burly black bodyguard mm-hmm. who took the drugs. Mm-hmm. They saw he had a gun. Like, okay, you got the money. Leave. This scene made me angrier than anything else in the whole movie. Yeah. 
Well, they're sitting there. It's all. It's a very tense scene. Very tense. So what they what they were told by Todd, who's another, uh, he's like an exotic dancer or whatever. I think he does movies sometimes. He got he got introduced to him by Reed. So it's Reed and Dirk and this Todd guy. And he says, um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to sell it for like $5,000, then we can split it three ways. He's like, oh, cool. Um, you know, really stupid idea, but they're, yeah, they're, they don't have much money, so they, you know, they need to do it. So anyway, they're there. They've got the $5,000, and they're just sitting there listening to this guy talk, and these firecrackers are going off, and it's getting more and more tense. Oh, until, and the, the music in the background, remember? The, it was like... Mm-hmm. Anyway... Until finally, John's and well, this guy pulls out a gun too. Yeah, puts one bullet in it and is like going to do Russian roulette himself or whatever. And he's just like, oh, the look on your guys' face—it's all fucked up. Oh, I thought he pulled the trigger. I don't think so. I think he cocked it, but he didn't pull the trigger. But anyway, so um, so finally, John C. Riley's like, "Hey, we gotta go," and he's like, "Oh, you just got here," and then Todd's like fucking starts talking mm. to himself almost it seems like and he's like no we, we've got a plan or whatever we want something else from you yeah we want something else from you and he says you've got a safe in your bedroom in the floor under your bed and we want what's inside how does he even know that like he must know somebody who works there or something i don't know i don't know it was weird i don't know but he knew what he needed to know so yeah so then it just turns into you know a shootout because the guy, he goes, to, the bodyguard's going to pull out his gun, and he's like, don't pull out your gun. And he does, and he shoots him in the shoulder, and then Todd, like, and he starts trying to shoot everyone else, and then Todd uh, shoots and kills him, and then, go like an idiot, like Alfred Molina went to hide in his, in his back room, right, in his bedroom, and like an idiot, he goes and just opens the door. Just standing for like not hiding behind the fucking wall or yeah. anything. Just standing full in the door frame. Just opens the door, and of course he gets shot. Yeah, and killed. Like he has a safe in there. You don't think he got a gun in there? Yes, yeah, so he's got a big shotgun, and then he goes after the other two, and they run away. And yeah, so when they finally gets away, he runs to Jacks, even though they're they've been estranged and everything because of their for big years. fight. Yeah, and he's like, "Will you please help me?" Yeah. He's like crying and stuff, and he's like, "I wanted to say I was sorry and all that stuff." Yeah, and he just like Jack hugs him, and it's like everything's just okay again. And it was that you wanted that this, was didn't tender, you? yes, that was a tender, happy moment. Yeah, but then and then we see all these people back at the house, and like you said, the family element. But he's about to go fuck uh, Amber again for another porn. Amber? Yeah, I don't know, it might be somebody else. She was getting ready. Oh, was she? She was in a dressing room getting ready. Okay. Well. So it just like, it was just full circle back. Oh, and then before that too, he was full circle back. He was selling himself. He'd been selling himself at the beginning of the movie in the restaurant. Yeah. $5 to see his penis, $10 to watch him jack off. Yeah. So then for a while while he's out there on the street doing drugs and shit, he was selling himself and he got his ass beat. I mean, there's just so much bad stuff that happened to him. Now, do you think the end of this movie, would you call that the, a money shot? What? The end of this film. So throughout the whole film... Oh, make, oh the, the penis. They're making a big deal about his penis. And they never show it. They come close sometimes. They'll show you like a dick print or whatever, you know. But they never show his penis. But everyone's talking about it. It's this big thing. Did you want to see it? Well, at yeah. The end of, the movie? of course. And then at the end, they actually showed it to us. And were you impressed? I mean, no, because it's not a real penis. Yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious that it wasn't a real penis. It's a prosthetic penis. I think that's why they could get away with doing that. Like, I don't know. Do you think they could get away with that with a real penis? No, it'd be X-rated. Yeah. Although there was a woman completely naked, like, yeah, you know, that, her fine. bush and everything. That's fine. It's not. I mean, like, I, I no, feel I mean, like. That's, that's, that's a R rating, you know. It shouldn't be. And I think this movie should have been like NC-17. You don't get an X rating for that. Okay. But yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's the film. I. What did you think overall? Like I said, it just, it left me feeling icky. It's a good movie. It's technically well done. It's a good story. It just, it left me feeling icky. I thought it was fantastic. I know you liked it. <laughs> it's... 
like I said, I think it does an excellent job of showing the humanity of this while not glamorizing it. Yeah. But that is the episode, Carol. Tell the people what they need to know before they go. All right, so you can write us at latefee1994 at awl.com. Mm-hmm. Check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Yep. And tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>